and welcome back, beautiful soul, to the Your Soulful Goddess podcast, or welcome for the very first time to Your Soulful Goddess, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potentials and power. My name is Safa. I am your host. I am a women's health and wellness intuitive life coach and I can't wait for us to sink our teeth into today's topic which is such an interesting conversation because in many ways we have been taught to relate to this part of the self in a very externalized manner and I mean for some of us well there is no awareness around this at all and for a vast majority of us the conversation that surrounds this particular part of self really is very tied to giving our power away so anyway you're going to hear a little bit more about that on the show itself but I have to tell you this is a conversation I didn't expect at all I knew the topic was important and it is important for us all but I wasn't expecting it to go as deep as it did so why don't I tell you a little bit about my guest so that we can jump right in My guest, Laura, is an occupational therapist in Ontario, Canada, that supports women navigating pain and pelvic health challenges to get back to living a life and engaging in their meaningful relationships. Pelvic organ prolapse, pelvic pain, painful sex, and leaking are intimate challenges that require the support of someone who strives to understand you as a whole person pelvis and beyond. Lara is passionate about finding creative ways to help women at various stages of recovery to connect to and relate to their symptoms, their bodies, and to movement with curiosity and compassion. She is an absolute joy to speak with. You are going to love her energy and her information and the extra episode that we recorded for the Patreon supporters, which you can access by joining us a Patreon on patreon.com forward slash your soulful goddess. And now here is the beautiful Laura. Hello, hello, Laura, and welcome. I'm so happy that you could join me today. I am so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Safa. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we have a beautiful and important topic ahead of us, and I would love for you to first and foremost give us um, a little bit about you and your passion in the work that you do. Okay, I certainly can. So I am a mama, first and foremost, but I'm also uh, an occupational therapist. And I have a practice in Ontario, Canada, uh, where I support individuals struggling with pain and pelvic health challenges to get back to living life. Um, And one of the things that I am most passionate about in the work that I do is supporting women with navigating the intersection uh, between what's happening in their bodies with their emotional wellness and their mental health as well. Beautiful. I love all of that. And the pelvic floor, right? This is something that I think very few of us know a lot about. 
Maybe our knowledge of it just goes as far as we've got to do Kegels. And usually that information for the wrong reasons too. So (laughs) can you please tell us a little bit about exactly what even is the pelvic floor? And um, you know what? The second question we'll get into once you tell us that. (laughs) Okay. Yes, certainly. So the pelvic floor is, it's really this group of muscles and connective tissue that sits at the base of our pelvis. So it kind of runs, if you feel underneath your bum, wherever you're sitting, it kind of runs from our sits bones to sit bones from side to side. And then front to back, it runs from our pubic bone all the way back to our tailbone. Um, And there are some lovely layers in our pelvic floor muscles as well. Uh, And so these muscles serve so many different functions and purposes for us. So they help to support our body. Um, They help to manage pressure as as we move our bodies throughout the day, as we breathe throughout the body throughout the day, um, our bodies are taking in this air and shifts in pressure and our pelvic floors can help us to navigate that. Uh, They help us to control our continence so we're not leaking when we don't want to be. Um, And I think that's something we're hearing more and more about that there's there's help available for those pelvic floor muscles when, when that happens for us. Um, they also allow for sexual functions and sexual wellness. Um, and the deepest layer of our muscles really serve an important function of supporting our pelvic organs. So for us as women, that's our bladder, our uterus, and our rectum. So they're very important in terms of giving those organs some support as well. Very much so. And there's so much just about that specific work and area that's so fascinating to me. One of the most incredible things I've discovered and learned about my pelvic floor over the last couple of months, I will actually share this with you, is with how it pertains to my labrum, right? And how it helps or affects my movement. So for those of you listeners who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, so your hips, right? The way that they are built and the way that the, let's say the ball lands inside the socket for your hips, there is a lining, just to call it something that surrounds that space called the labrum. For a lot of us who practice yoga or who've been dancers, there tends to be labral injury or labral tears. In my case, it is a tear and they show up with uh, in just in a variety of ways. But the reason why this has been important to me as pertaining to the pelvic floor is because I didn't even know that these two could correlate to each other until this year when I started running seriously or last year when I started running seriously and my hip kept flaring up. So finally, we went to a physical therapist here in Houston and she is brilliantly tapped into this pelvic floor awareness. It was like, well, just so you know, there's a possibility that your pelvic floor, the way that it is, if it isn't releasing or contracting properly Mm -hmm. as it connects to your breath as well is pulling on this muscle, which is your obturator. And then this is probably affecting the way that you, because I kept saying that my obturator hurt and she was like, why? And (laughs) well, this could be the reason why you're in pain. So that was amazing to me to understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, I guess it's, it's, serves our body in so many different ways. And there are 
kind of connections as it is it kind of integrates with other muscle groups um, that really when we're looking at pelvic health we're, it's important to kind of look at the whole body um, and and I would say the whole person as well because there are also these um, huge connections in terms of our nervous system and those muscles and uh, we tend to hold a lot of stress and tension in that area of our body so when there's pain um, or guarding because there's pain in other areas of our body, we can often hold it in those muscles as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a topic that's so near and dear to my heart. And recently, actually in this season, we spoke to Luis Mejica, who's amazing and does a lot of somatic work. And this is one of those areas that we really looked into. So, you know, listeners, if you haven't taken a look or if you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and check it out. But Laura, in the same space, we could talk a little bit about some of the biggest misconceptions around the pelvic floor. Yeah, so I I think the biggest thing um, that I run into is this idea that uh, when there's an issue, when something's kind of going awry or unwanted symptoms are showing up, the answer has historically been for women to do their kegels. Mm -hmm. Um, And the challenge with that is that um, many, many women who are doing kegels aren't necessarily firing their muscles in the way that they're intending to or wanting to. Um, And then the other challenge with that is that that's not, kegels aren't the answer for everyone necessarily. And so some issues can arise because uh, we're holding too much tension in the pelvic floor and we need to learn how to relax and let Mm -hmm. go of those muscles or lengthen those muscles. Um, And then sometimes it's a coordination issue. So just kind of getting things activated um, and turning on or relaxing when we need them to. When we're sitting on the toilet, we really need those muscles to let go and relax so that we can do what we need to do. Um, When we're sneezing, when we're coughing, we really need to um, kind of have some good timing so that those muscles can turn on and support us when we when we need them. Um, so sometimes there's a coordination issue that we need to play with too. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting too, because again, this is a part of the body that we don't usually think about and often, and I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. I think often when we speak about it, it is in terms of, oh, well, if you do your Kegels, it's going to benefit the men. And it's like, uh, wow, are we really going to that freaking place right now? Like we are talking about health, not just on a physical level, but on an energetic and a wholehearted, holistic way, like you mentioned a little while ago. But why do we make it about this? I know it's <laughs> It's so incredibly frustrating. I hate that messaging. Um, To me, it really, I think we see the greatest kind of empowering impact when we can shift the narrative to being about your relationship with your body um, and experimenting ways to support women with connecting to their body in different ways. Um, And so I think having choice in terms of how we're connecting to our bodies in pelvic floor therapy is really important. And yeah, it's about, it's about you. It's about your body, your goals. And it, yeah, it 
Children. Yes. Children. Yep. It's about <laughs> us, right? Take okay. that power back, sisters. I think we've been externalizing too much for too long. And this is just one more little aspect, one more little piece of the puzzle. So now we've taken a look at the myths and addressed for me what's one of the biggest elephants in the room. Let's talk a little bit about how we even discover if there is pelvic dysfunction, right? Oh, wow. That was a hard word to say today. And then <laughs> also if and what could be a way in which we can address that? Yeah, so typically um, folks start to identify pelvic floor dysfunction as, as symptoms arise that they're not wanting, right? And if you think about what are the functions of the pelvic floor, um, so it's when we start to see challenges with those functions. So um, it could be leaking starts to happen. Um, so leaking urine, leaking feces when we don't want to be. Uh, it could be starting to feel some pressure uh, sensations in the pelvic floor, uh, which could be a sign that maybe those deeper layers of the muscles aren't supporting those organs the way we want to be, they could be optimally. Um, it could be pain that's showing up um, in the hips, as you said, Safa, um, and also in the in other areas um, surrounding the pelvis. Mm -hmm. it, it could be pain with um, insertion, either self-insertion or intercourse with a partner or trying to put menstrual products in. Um, those are all kind of signs that maybe the pelvic floor could be, use a little bit of help and guidance in terms of finding some different ways to move um, and function. Yeah. yeah, and so is this something that we can do on our own or do we need someone who specializes in this? It can be, I, I would say I'm biased, but I think it's really helpful <laughs> to have a partner in crime to walk with you on this path to kind of bounce ideas off of, to kind of hear your, your pelvic floor story. It's also really important to find a partner that's, that's a good fit, that, that you connect with. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, I think, keeps you in the driver's seat and acknowledges your expertise and your, your body. Um, we're able to kind of implement, like input some information and plant some seeds to help you make sense of what's happening in your body. Um, but ultimately it's about your experience of your body. Uh, so I'm biased to say, I think doing it with a partner is often can be really empowering. Um, mm -hmm. But finding the right partner is also really important. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, right now we're or at least I am a little jokey and I'm definitely affected by the full moon that we have above us as we are recording this, not when you're hearing it, but definitely when we're recording. But the truth is that this particular topic and area can be very sensitive because there's so much, like you said, there's so much that goes into the nervous system. There's so much that goes into the psychology behind it. Some of us do have trauma specifically mm -hmm. relating to these areas. And so addressing that can even be terrifying. Yes. Definitely having someone who is a professional who knows what they are talking about and who will make you feel safe and also in charge and in presence within your own space. That is super, super crucial, in my opinion. And I mean, again, speaking from an experience that I've just had in terms of addressing the issue with my hips and stuff, that's been my need and it's been my experience, which also brings me to the question of, so would a professional 
necessarily be looking at and treating this from an internal point, Laura, or is are there other ways? Yes, I love that question, Safa. And yeah, from a trauma-informed perspective, it's it's so important to be able to give folks their options. And there are so many ways that we can support women with, I like to say, kind of dipping your toe into your body at your mm -hmm. pace. Um, I think with internal work and even some of the work uh, that that's involved in traditional pelvic floor therapy, where it's all about thinking about your pelvic floor all the time and, and building those brain body connections that can be really overwhelming. Um, it's, I think it's for anyone, but especially when there's a trauma history as well. So to answer your question, no, internal work is not the only way to start connecting to that area of our body, dipping our toe in, um, getting a sense of overall symptom pictures so that we can start to tease out what might be happening. It doesn't have to, internal work certainly doesn't have to be a starting point. So I think that's another really common myth. Mm -hmm. um, and if, so for some practitioners, that's the tool in their toolbox that they're comfortable with. Uh, but it's really, I think, important to ask your practitioner about your menu of options. Um, and so I'll, I'll just name a few. And I, I think one thing that has come from the pandemic and more virtual work being done mm -hmm. is I think practitioners are opening up their toolkit and getting creative in terms of how we can support someone with making those connections with their pelvic floor without being in the room with them. Um, so your practitioner can guide you through um, just kind of cues to feel for what it's like to move those muscles through their full range of motion. Um, we can experiment with using feedback on different sitting surfaces to see if we can feel that expansion and contraction where we want those muscles to kind of fully let go and relax and engage. Um, we can use uh, support you with using visual feedback. So using a mirror to kind of look at what's happening in your pelvic floor and kind of looking for signs of it moving as we're trying to contract it and let it go. Um, we can coach women through kind of self-insertion and feeling for signs of the pelvic floor muscles, uh, tension in certain areas, and the capacity to move it through that full range of motion. Which and, is kind of cool, because like how often do we get a chance to do this, you know? And we're already yeah. so afraid of our bodies that very few of us even dare masturbate, let alone sex yeah. and get to know what the pelvic floor is or does, right? Yes, absolutely. And it's I think having those options is so important because we can it's your relationship with your body, right? So it needs to be at a pace you're comfortable with. We need to support you with meeting yourself where you are. Um, another modality that's available for women in a, in a modality that I use in my practice is called surface EMG biofeedback. Mm -hmm. um, so that involves using sensors. So, and there's options in terms of the sensors. There's stickers that we can just kind of put internally um, on the around the anus or there's uh sensors that are kind of like a tampon that that the women can insert vaginally themselves and it reads the muscle activity um so it kind of shows up on my computer screen so they can see what it's like to fully engage those muscles and let them go and and then tune in to what that feels like in their bodies as they're getting that feedback on the screen um, 
And it's a really cool opportunity to play with that coordination piece as well to get things kind of firing when we need them to, relaxing and let, letting them go when we need them to. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I feel like it's, to me, it feels even on an energetic level, incredibly important. If for no other reason, then we do spend a lot of our time separating from ourselves. It's yes. very rare that we even know or realize what's going on with us. So just to give yourself this moment of presence to get to know what something feels like and what it's telling you and what it's bringing you, it's just powerful stuff. It is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is powerful. We live so much in our heads um, and actually there, it is quite, I would say, I see many, many more women who have hold a lot of tension in their pelvic floor. So a lot of the work that we do is just around coaching um, that body awareness and really going at the individual's pace of being ready to be, to dip in and, and live that balance of body and, and head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, again, so interesting to me because there are things that relate to the pelvic floor that we aren't even aware of, like our breath. You know, I find it so fascinating, especially as, as a yogi, you know, like because breath is my jam, but I find it so fascinating that just the manner in which we activate that diaphragm yes. can relate to the way in which the pelvic floor activates. Yeah, it's that system, right? It's a part of this system and the diaphragm and the pelvic floor um, work so well together. So experimenting with different ways of breathing, finding more space to breathe is certainly can have such a wonderful impact on that pelvic floor health. That's Absolutely. Yeah, no, again, I love all of that information and always discovering more about the self is important and acknowledging that this is also a space where we hold a lot of tension. Um, important, I think, on many different levels so that we can live a life of presence that is also very much, how do I say, not forceful or tense at all times. Yes, I love that you said that, Safa. And I, one of the things that I, um, I think that's a challenge that uh, I, I support my clients with working through, and certainly that I've experienced myself in my own pelvic floor journey, um, is that often we come with this uh, mission. Our goal is to get rid of our symptoms, right? So it's this mission of coercion. How can we kind of coerce the body to stop doing what we don't want it to do um, and do what we do want it to do? So it's often this shift that we're in this journey that we're going on to from uh, coercion when we figure out that doesn't really work all that well when we try to force the body into something it doesn't last it usually creates a lot more tension and frustration um, and how can we figure out to collaborate and tune in and be with our bodies a little bit more effectively mm, I love curious that. about our bodies yeah curiosity and collaboration so that you're in mm. partnership with the self yes yes love that oh my gosh so much <laughs> And you know what I'm thinking? Um, this is probably one of the questions that does come up most often in terms of is a pelvic floor awareness or work or all of this something that only those who have had children have to worry about? 
Oh yes, that's a good one. No, so that's not the case. Um, we all have pelvic floors, right? Everyone has a pelvic floor. Men, men encounter pelvic health challenges and pain. Yes. Women who have not had children encounter um, leaking, uh, prolapse, other other pelvic health issues for, for a variety of reasons. Um, having children certainly isn't the only risk factor for starting to, to develop some challenges with the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm, which is fascinating. I guess that technically is one of the other myths, right? I mean, I hear yeah. that a lot. And then the, the really interesting part is that, yep, guess what? Men have pelvic floors too. <laughs> yeah, and kiddos. And um, there are many, many uh, pelvic floor therapists that work with kiddos as well, right? Oh, interesting. Um, bedwetting, yeah. constipation, um, yeah, and just toileting habits as, as kiddos develop. And sometimes the pelvic floor muscles are a factor in that. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful thing. And it's something that shows up in our daily lives. So yeah. I would say, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have something better, please chime in with this. But <sighs> personally, how I first got to learn about my pelvic floor was in the yoga room. And because someone kept saying, oh, you've got to engage your bandhas. And then I was like, okay, I get what the heck is a bandha. And so it was sort of explained in terms of like, oh, there are these energy locks and you can activate this one by essentially holding your pee in. That's what this feels like. And that was the ah. first time I even ever became aware of the pelvic floor. So for the listeners, if you want to try that out, I mean, that's a test, but what else would you say is like a good way to get to know your pelvic floor and to feel it and to understand it better? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so again, the caveat that depending on your comfort level and where you mm -hmm. want to start, um, one place I often start with women is just kind of landmarking the different bony pieces of the pelvis. So we get a sense of where it sits in our body. Um, so kind of putting our hands underneath those sit bones and the pubic bone and then back to the tailbone to get a sense of where that pelvic floor sits. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea, yes, of kind of this idea of squeezing or holding in a pee can help to get that um, kind of squeezing sensation that's often those more superficial muscles of the pelvic floor. So the ones that sit kind of closer to the surface. Um, and then some other cues to help play with this idea of lifting as well, because the pelvic floor mm -hmm. muscles serve this function to squeeze and then lift, which are those deeper layers that are there to support our organs and support our stability. Um, and so sometimes oh, there's, a, there's funny ones, but sometimes we cue experimenting with lifting a berry, picking up a berry or a ping pong ball with at the vaginal opening and imagine lifting it up into your body. Um, but then so important too, to, to kind of experiment with that relaxation right, of what it's like to kind of let go of those muscles. So it can be maybe feeling as though you're drawing your sits bones apart um, or that a flower is kind of uh, coming to that opening of your vagina and opening up to kind of get that sense of the pelvic floor dropping back down mm. and opening up. There's so some of this is so visual, right? Yeah, yeah. And it has to be, right? Like, well, we can use, we can actually look at the perineum and, and kind of look that way, but we don't have as much access to these muscles as we do with other muscles. So a huge part of pelvic 
floor therapy is kind of building that brain body connection. So that visualization can, is such a powerful tool to start to be able to, to do that. How interesting. You wouldn't expect something like that. And yet to me, there's a wonderment in it in the sense of, as I say constantly on the show, and as I always tell my clients and everybody, yes, we are in a, we are souls in a physical body. And so a lot of the times we understand the physical much more easily, but I mean, think about this, the pelvic floor is, you can't get any more internal in your physical body. So to think about really learning from it, releasing it, activating it, working with it, getting to know it on a visualization type way. I mean, mind blown. There it is. That's your yeah. mind body connection, the connection. It's your space to take that breath and really dive into the remembrance of us as a whole creature of everything, light, energy, vibration, spirit, physical, etc. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I wanted to ask you in terms of best practices, because I feel as though there are ways in which we can best serve our pelvic floor. Certainly, maybe not pushing too hard when we go to the bathroom is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are there other things that you or other tips or advice that you can give us as they pertain to the pelvic floor? little tidbits. Okay. Yes. Certainly if you're noticing, um, kind of that pushing out your pee or straining for a bowel movement, um, that's a sign that experimenting with that, that relaxation and letting go of the pelvic floor might be a good fit. Um, the other piece when it comes to the toilet, we'll do a little toilet talk is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) is, uh, having for bowel movements in particular, having a stool can be really helpful to help kind of empty and completely let go of, of bowels. Um, when we sit, when we sit our feet up on a stool, um, we're changing the angles a little bit and we're lengthening the pelvic floor muscles. There's a a little muscle that kind of wraps around the rectum. And when we, um, when we're in that 90 degree angle that our uh, North American toilets like to put us at, that muscle kind of kinks the rectum a little bit. So putting ourselves in a kind of mimicking a squatting position with Mm -hmm. our feet elevated on a stool or a squatty potty. There's a thing out there called a squatty potty. potty. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So that can, that can help with bowel movement. Um, yeah, other tips and tricks. I don't know, my head's on the toilet now. <laughs> I, I kind of put it there, so I feel slightly <laughs> responsible. <laughs> I just that's think that fair. that's one of those that we all experience, you know, because we're in a yeah. rush. I, our poor bodies, man, like we're, as it pertains to going to the bathroom <laughs> is, yeah. well, first of all, many of us hold it in until like the very like like I feel like our bladders are going to explode and that's when we finally go oh right I have to stop working I have to stop doing this and go which is just a sign of disconnect right yes yeah and then once we do get there it's like gotta get this over with as fast as possible push 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 and then move out yeah so it's it's sometimes it's taking that breath on the toilet right and and that it's like there is it's mindful toileting, right? It's a practice of being Ooh, present I like it. <laughs> with the bathroom, with what your body needs in that moment. Um, 
yeah, and giving yourself the space to fully empty without forcing it out. But you're totally right. It's that go, go, go. I guess the other thing too that I encounter and that's often a helpful tip for women. So um, when women and men, not just women, are finding that they're going really often, going really frequently throughout mm-hmm. the day um, or, or struggling with leaking, we might engage in that just-in-case pee. Like, I'm going to pee um, so that I don't get that urgency later. Uh, and so we, we start to kind of, it retrains the bladder that it can't hold quite so much. Mm. Um, and so it can be a useful practice and we'll often talk through when going to going really frequently is an issue. Um, can we play with uh, putting it off a little bit? And um, sometimes it's um, trying to distract ourselves for a little bit to see if the bladder can fill a little bit more and see if the urge goes away and we can go about our business and then um, come back to it a little bit later. So depending on what the issue is, we can mm-hmm. play with coaching the body in some different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like you said something a little bit earlier that I really, really responded to, which was have a relationship with your body. Yeah, yeah and I love that. I mean, that's that's kind of how you want to approach this. Yep. Yeah, so powerful. Yeah. What have you found specifically working with other people that has been probably one of the biggest and most unexpected benefits of doing this type of work? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. There's a a really cool thing that's happening more and more with some of the folks that I'm working with. And it's often the folks um, that want to stick around a little bit longer and peel back more layers and and get to understand their body a little bit more. But when a really cool shift happens where they're starting to see maybe some of the signs and symptoms that initially they were coming to get rid of as information from their body, as opposed to um, that initial reaction of frustration and anger. It's okay, I'm feeling that tension ramp up again. That's a sign to me that I am overwhelmed. I'm really stressed. Um, And so bigger picture, their body's giving them information around what they as a human need. Mm -hmm. Um, So taking that step back and understanding, okay, big picture, I'm overwhelmed because of X, Y, and Z. I need to take care of my body in this way. I also need to have a look at how I'm managing my stress and my engaging in the self-care practices that I need to engage in. Um, so it becomes more this gauge and this, um, this relationship as opposed to this is, this is all negative and something that I just need to get rid of. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really cool when that happens for folks. I love it. <laughs> I love that too. Again, because it takes it so far beyond what we expect. I think honestly in all of life magic happens in the places where we least expect it to Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I really love that Laura oh my goodness Mm. okay well we are going to be wrapping things up here and continue chatting away on the patreon so for those of you who haven't signed up for Patreon, go ahead and do that. And if you have, then you're going to have this extra little tidbit. So before we do that, <laughs> well, talking today really is hard. Um, <laughs> but before we do that, 
where can the listeners find you and where can they where can they learn more about your work and all of the things that you do relating to pelvic floor? Yeah, so I uh, hang out quite a bit on Instagram. So you can find me at pelvic underscore resilience. Um, you can also learn a little bit more about uh, my work in pelvic health on my website, which is www.pelvicresilience.ca. Um, and I'd really encourage you to sign up for my newsletter there. I put out a little tidbit every week just on insights and reflections around how to build resilience um, into this journey of connecting with your pelvic floor. Beautiful. And last but not least, my favorite part of the show is asking the guest what your opinion is or your advice is on how we can become uplifted. Ah, okay. Um, so I think we've touched on a lot of them today, but I would say there's like four C's that I really like to highlight in terms of staying uplifted, particularly when we're talking about pelvic floor pelvic floor journey, but I think just in general, um, and that is getting connected, getting connected to someone who can be, who are really helpful collaborators with you on your journey, um, and staying curious um, about your journey and where you're at and what you need, and really encountering the challenges we face, whether, whether it be pelvic health or beyond, with compassion. Um, yeah. I think compassion is that that huge piece that I would say is a takeaway. Mm -hmm. um, approaching all of these challenges and with compassion, often there um, are really kind of protective responses. And as we get curious and explore them deeper, um, there can be some compassion that we need to bring along with us for that ride. Agreed. And so much deep like healing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so, so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Safa. It's been awesome talking to you. <laughs> Welcome back, beautiful listeners. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation, that you found it instructional and enlightening, and that it has made you curious about yourself in a very different way. Now, the externalization of our power is something that I am keenly devoted to addressing with all of my clients when we work on a one-to-one -one basis, and in fact, something that I, I address a lot on my group sessions and courses. So if that is something that you are interested in and want to ask me questions about, feel free to email me info at yoursoulfulgoddess.com or find me on Instagram and DM me there at your soulful goddess also be on the lookout because i have some amazing programs coming your way and i still have openings for one-on-one -on -one coaching so if you want to apply for that do it now i'm running an incredible special you're not going to want to miss out on and i've really only got about three spots left so no more hesitation this is the time to prioritize yourself and your growth go ahead and go to my Instagram, sign up, do the thing, and we can start working together. And as for the show, if you are enjoying it, 
and you want me to bring it back for a third season, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com forward slash your soulful goddess as well as share this with other people and leave a five star review because that's how other people can find the show. But for today, this is all. Thank you for joining me. Have a beautiful rest of your week and I will talk to you next Monday.